Greetings everyone and welcome to the 182nd edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach and I'm joined by the amazing Spider-Man Defense Force, Jaden. Howdy. Howdy. And of course, our resident Irish citizen, aka Fitzy, aka Liam. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Good morning. ladies and gentlemen. Let's get right into it. We took a trip to the cinema, which makes sense. This is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we, we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is a brand new one. It is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is in top contention for longest title we've ever reviewed. It opened in the US on November 17th, 2023. It was directed by Francis Lawrence once again. Coming back, he's now directed every Hunger Games movie except the first one, which is interesting. It is an action drama, and the synopsis says, okay, get ready, get ready, Fitzy, I need you to grade me. Coriolanus Snow mentors and develops feelings for the female District 12 tribute during the 10th Hunger Games. That was very good, that was very good. Thank maybe, you very much. Maybe a bit slow just to, for the precision, for the you know, accuracy. But like I was trying a bit too hard to get it right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. A bit unnatural. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Coriolanus. Coriolanus. Yes, we went to the cinema, watched this movie. We've of course been reviewing every Hunger Games movie every single month for the last four months, I guess, um, leading up to this one. So we're well prepared. Jaden, what did you think of this brand new film of this prequel story in the Hunger Games universe? I thought it was quite enjoyable. Uh, uh, hold on, sorry. Oh, worst timing ever. Fitzy. What did you think <laughs> of this prequel set in the Hunger Games universe? Um, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Um, <laughs> it was no, I, I did. I did think it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I, I love the uh, you know the aesthetic of the film, the the fifties, sixties, whatever you know, box TV kind of aesthetic they got going on. It was very entertaining. The early Hunger Games like aspect of it and the kind of mentors, you know, having their own little Hunger Games and all that shit. Um, mm. And Snow was uh, really, you know, charismatic and attractive and fun. He was, um, this movie is just like a two hour, 40 minute demonstration of the halo effect, you know? If someone really attractive believes in something, you start to believe in it too, you know? Even if he <laughs> believes in like the worst thing imaginable. But um, Yeah, it really is that. No, it was good. It was, I had a good time. Yeah, I was, I was very, very impressed with this movie. I don't know. I'm sitting here deciding if it's my favorite Hunger Games movie, which is awesome. I thought it was a really cool story um, that delivered what we wanted to see with a snow exploration and origin. It, it lived up to the snow hype. You know what I mean? That's that's what we wanted to see. That's That was the draw, especially for us number one snow fans. And uh, it lived up to that, which was great. But yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought the film was actually pretty ballsy in how it felt like it just refused to fit into the mold of a typical Hunger Games formula. Obviously, it had the Hunger Games in it, but that was only a part of the movie. And I just think it would have been, I don't know, pretty easy to come out with another Hunger Games movie set in the past. Sure. But, you know, you have the first hour build up and then you do the games in the second hour and, you know, like we've seen before. So instead, this film really just totally does its own thing and tells a story with its own structure um, and tells a story at the end that feels like it's really about something, which is great. And that stood out to me because I don't know, yeah, it's, it's easy to be cynical about Hollywood sequels and prequels and stuff, but this really, I feel like 
feels like it, it deserves existing, you know. Um, plus, I guess that's you know also just a credit to Suzanne for writing the story in the th- in the first place as well. So, um, yes, I was certainly engaged with this one. I very much liked it, Jaden. No, I still can't go to you. Shit. Okay. All right. Well, um, no, this is weird. This is like throwing off the entire history of the Cinema Effect show here. Well, I can just chat, Fitzy. I can just chat with you for a minute. You know, I can just. I can, I I can like... imitate Jane more if you want. Oh, you, you feel free. What do you, What do you think Jane's going to think of it? Maybe he thinks there's like two stories or something. He'll say something about that. No. There's two stories. What do you mean by that? Maybe you're just um. Well, you, you know, there's there's kind of. There's two kind of parallel stories going on, isn't there? I don't know. I'm being Jane right now, so I can't really like justify everything that I'm saying. Right. But, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely can't. Okay, now that's a good. Well, personally, one of my main takeaways from the cinema experience is Jane back. I think, I think, I think, I think I might be. Okay. Before I go ahead with that thought, can you maybe, in the brief amount of time you have, let us know what you thought of this movie? Yeah, I think it was super fun, super cool to see. I, I think you know. I think it was actually an appropriate prequel, which is an important thing. You know, quite quite often. Stories are set in a very established time, and they're and they're set there for good reason. So then, throwing in prequels and sequels is 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 is, is becomes awkward because there's no need for them. But I, this feels like one of the most appropriate prequels we could have been given, just based on things you were saying about you know, early Hunger Games, just the character of Snow that becomes so prominent in later ones and all that shit. Um, I do think there was a latent awkwardness in 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 some of the performance and some of the some some of the dynamics and 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 dialogue but i think it was really cool i think it was probably like the most not 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 the not the, not the most impressive visually but but like but i i think it's it's just visually as as to 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 reflect ideals and settings and you know all this other stuff i think is probably the best one to communicate those things i'll, I'll squeeze it in now so we don't have to mention it later but like um, like the abundance of brutalist architecture, which 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 you know, brutalism is a it's a social architecture that emerged post war, post World War Two to, to to kind of house many. So having it everywhere in the capital and even out in the districts as well, you know, it, it's a good reflection of the war that they just emerged from. So that's what I mean by the visuals reflecting the scenes and stuff like that. Um, that's cool. So um, yeah, I think it was really cool, really well, really well put together. But yeah, there's um. I think I think it's definitely the, 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 there's flaws throughout. Okay, okay. Put a pit. We'll get to those flaws. Um, I think this movie's perfect, personally. So you know, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Wow. But I'm glad you both mentioned the visuals and the aesthetic and stuff because I do. I thought, yeah, I thought the production design was was phenomenal. Um, thank you for bringing your architecture knowledge to this, Jan. I, I did not understand that, but what I did understand was just I really enjoyed finally being able to experience the capital in a you know as a real location, which is odd because we spend so much of Mockingjay Part 2 there. But I don't know, it feels kind of – it didn't really do much for me in that movie, in, which I explained in that review. But I just, yeah, I really enjoyed the capital, the building, sort of just getting a feel for their society a lot more. I also feel like – like, do you guys think that the way the games evolve post this film as is set up in this film, like, and the way – um, and Snow's influence, like they have influence on the fashion and how it becomes so outrageous 60 years in the future. Because I really, because I think the, the, the fashion is definitely dialed down here, I think deliberately, mm. which I thought yeah. was cool. Yeah, well, um, I, I didn't think how like Snow was almost, he was almost ahead of the times in in, in, in his fashion in this film because everyone was wearing like suits and, and shit. It was very like, you know, right. 60s, 50s, fitted with the, like the, 
tube TVs. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, it wasn't as extravagant yet. No, no. The 50s aesthetic was prominent everywhere, really. Prominent in the wardrobe, for sure, which I thought was really cool. Prominent, of course, as Fizzy's mentioned, in the te- technology, the TVs. Love that shit. I loved, dude, I loved probably way too much. Just like the logo they had for the Hunger Games, like the in-universe logo. Is that a sort of, like, dude, that's great. That's like the most like 1950s thing I've ever seen, like a game show kind of thing. I thought it was great. And the fact that it's just so interesting to think like the fact that this world is meant to be like a future from us, right? But it still feels like distinctly in the past for this world, which is cool. And I know like uh, I was listening to a fair bit of Francis Lawrence last night and he was saying how, you know, they really aesthetically wanted to basically make a period piece, like a Hunger Games period piece, you know? And I thought that that's obviously really interesting to think when it's like, it's set in our future, but it's a period piece. Um, but yeah, it, it's odd to think about, but it's really cool. I think they totally nailed that stuff. So I was a huge fan of looking at this film, for sure, for sure. One of my favorite aspects of the film, actually, was walking out, and uh, we all know Liam and Jaden, one mind, linked. Both mm-hmm. had uh, glowing things to say about Tom Blythe and his uh, appearance in this film. No doubt about that. I've got to say, I don't know if this is a hot take. Rachel Zegler, no slouch either. You know what I mean? So, like, I've, is this, like, the most attractive leads of all time? Like, at least in recent memory, this has got to be some pretty top-tier stuff, you know? I can't really – I mean – I mean, you're more than willing to comment outside of the cinema, chat, and I don't know. Well, well, yeah, you said, like, the thing is, like, you know, it's, it's fine to comment on Tom, but it's not fine to comment on Rachel because, you know, like, it's – Is it not? Both no, very attractive it, 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 no, then she is, but you know, like I feel like it's 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 it's. it's I think less problems will arise if you only comment on Tom. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, well, you cool. you compare it to West Side Story, where Rachel Zegler is also a lead, but you have Ansel Elgort, who is mm. arguably less attractive than Tom Blythe. <laughs> right. Mm. Also, argue, also allegedly more problematic. Mm. But yeah. that's another thing. You know what I mean? But yes, that is that is very true. That is very true. No, um, both, both ace, both ace, both very okay. fit. Well done. Well I done. Hate that, I, I I hate the fact that 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 Tom Blythe has actually stayed on my mind. You know, like. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. He's raising some serious questions here. Like you can you can recognize that this man is beyond attractive, but there's there's not a there's not a, an attractiveness that exists. You know, like, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not attracted to him, but I can recognize that he's attractive, you know? Right. Oh, right. And, and okay. he's, he's very attractive. This is like in okay. The Killer, and then the start of The Killer when, like, he's trying to justify it to himself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Yeah. This is Jaden's inner monologue that's been since Thursday night. He's saying, mm. I don't, I don't find him attractive. I just yeah, recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Anyway, anyway, I just say that to say that I thought they were phenomenal in the film. I think all the acting's top notch in the film, and I want to touch on on various people. Jaden, sorry, I just can you hear my chair when I fucking swing around? Is that annoying? Do it, do it now. Is it like a no. squeak? It's like it, it's like a leather creak. No, okay. no, okay, sorry. No, that's because sometimes I think uh, like it's very loud, and you might sorry. No, yeah, the audience is going to love that. Um, so, 
I was saying? Oh yeah, we'll get we'll touch on all the different performances and stuff. Did, did any of I was curious as to what you meant, Jaden, by some of the awkward dialogue. I did not feel this in the film, but anything to do with the leads? Anything to do with where where was this arising? Um, not with the leads. No, Rachel and Tom were were, were very solid. Uh, despite Liam's uh, comments before, I, I think I think that there was an awkwardness with Tigress's character. Um, oh really? Also, the, I think that 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 opening little that, that opening little prelude with the two of them as kids. Those kids weren't good actors, um, and I think the I think the whole kind of I think that was probably the most awkward scene in the film, to be honest. Um, just in in terms of execution, where it 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 felt rushed and amateurish compared to the rest of the film. But then I I, I do think that there's, there's 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 still this little bit of awkwardness that exists just throughout um, with like some of the district people and then even still some of the classmates interactions. Um, not oh, massively, okay. but 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 it's it's enough it's enough that it that it affects perception i think okay so do you mean like the also like the scene when you know they walk in and, and it's like they're they're all chatting before the ceremony thing yes yes i think that that, that that there is an awkwardness in there and especially in the way that they throw names around so that you become familiar with them oh um, right because right. you know oh of course you think that coriolanus and of course you think that butterfluff and of course you think this <laughs> Uh, and like you know, they're they're trying to squeeze everything in to just like like you, you kind of you need to so the movie can you know move on with these characters without having to bring them up later, and then you have a sense of familiarity. But mm. um, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's fair enough. I get that. Um, I I quite liked the opening scene. It was interesting. So hang on. First of all. I think I I missed some. I think I missed some like bit of dialogue that threw me off then for the rest of the movie because, like, I, who was Snow's father exactly? So he's a co-creator of the Hunger Games with Peter Dinklage, right? But like, who was he in Capital Society? Because he was obviously someone important. Like how Snow is seemed important at some point in the past. Well, didn't he? Didn't he used to be president? Was I? Did I misinterpret that? Did he? I don't know. I, he said that he he had like a high position. It, yeah, it, it, I yeah. Can't remember exactly, but I mean that's all you really need to know thematically because you know they do that shot at the end of the prologue where you know it's like it's like him on a glass stain thing, you know, um, mm. which is okay, powerful figure, looming kind of thing. I get it. So I got it, but like, yeah, I just didn't know. I didn't get exactly who he was. I didn't think he was the president, but no, I didn't think president either. I just thought someone just just rich, high up, rich, important society person. Yeah. Okay. No, I guess it's all I need to know. I just feel like they specifically said it, and I missed it. But uh, that's cool. Um, he was anyway, a I like major sorry. general. Yeah, major general. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so he's in the. Okay, so I guess he's responsible for the capital, probably partly responsible for the capital winning the war, probably. Potentially. Hmm. But his but his father got strung up in the woods, and they would say say that. Yeah. Yeah. So he obviously died in the war. But then, but then later, Peter Dinklage says that they divide that he devised the Hunger Games as a punishment for the, oh, unless they devised the Hunger Games while the war was still going. Must have. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. Rather but yeah, than after it finishes. Yeah. Okay. Must be. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, that's cool. That's all cool. That makes sense. Um, I I like the only scene because I I like, I knew that Snow wasn't like the founder of the capital, or right? Like I knew that. You know, like mm. obviously timeline lines that didn't work. But for some reason, like in the original films, though, when you get Donald, 
as an old dude. I see, I sort of imagine, and like the book probably explains that this isn't the case, but I always sort of just envision that, oh, he's been president for all time. You know what I mean? So it was interesting to go back and realize right from the start, no, he's definitely not that. He's very much brought into this, you know, this society that's been brought about through this war. He was starving on the street. His family was struggling. They can't pay the rent, um, you know, st- starving as a kid in that first scene. And then that continues on this sort of struggling. Um, so I thought that was interesting in that it's like, no, the capital structure exists already. And then he sort of throughout the film comes to basically understand it and use it to his advantage to gain power in it. It's not, mm. it, it, he didn't create the system basically. I sort of always just thought, I don't know, he's this older guy, Capital's been around for like 70 years, and I guess he was like the first president, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that was just that was just an interesting like tweak in my how I perceived the character and his origins, which was cool, and to learn that he's actually like, you know, he's a player. You know, as he says at the end, he's a, he's the victor, you know, like he's he got his way there, he worked his way to the top um, in something that already existed. So I thought that was, that was an interesting um, element that I didn't realise, which was cool. But yes, anyway, that was my defense of the opening scene. Do you have any comments on it, Fitzy? Well, I, I kind of get what Jane was saying when they like, when they go to run for the food and they're like, oh, there's food over there. And then like the tiger comes and they throw the bin at the tiger. It felt a bit like a, like a YouTube, sh- you know, short film or something. But um, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. like, it, 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 I didn't have that, like, that big a problem with it. I thought the, um, was it like the first time we saw it? Like the very first thing? It was a cool yeah. kind of like cold open kind of thing. But then like, it, like it, that thing about like, you know, the, the throwing around the names, like they still do that, like where they, it's just too much for the audience as if we're dumb funds. <laughs> and um, like, like, cause like we see that guy chop off the, chop off the leg. Corio is all like, why is he doing that? And Tiger says, like, oh, he's hungry. As if like, we're not, it's not obvious that, you know, he's going to fucking eat it. You know, like it's. Right, right, right. And then, and then even when they get back to the apartment, like it, it feels overacted by the older person and then by the young kids. Like it just, yeah. But it's yeah. it's a good it's a it's a it's a good juxtaposition to the rest of the quality of the film. You know, really highlights okay. how high quality the rest of the film is. Okay, gotcha. Does it almost feel like to you like it was a bit of a, like a re, like a reshoot kind of thing to like you have to get this in at the start to make the you know to lay the groundwork. Maybe. Or, yeah, just throw it in he with, like, a second director. A... Yeah. Right, right. Second unit. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe Francis wasn't even there. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Now that's all cool. We've already touched on it a bit. I've uh, brought it up. So let's go all in. Um, this ha- By this point, this has to be, like, a segment on the show, right? It's, like, snow talk, snow, you know, snow revelations or some shit. Uh, let's talk about Snow and his character because, obviously, this story is about him and... I was very interested in it. I was thinking about it a fair bit last day or so. And I just want, yeah, I wanted to see what you guys took away from it overall. I guess, I guess I viewed it as it sort of being a conflict of, for him, two sides of the same coin. Let's go. Let's go. Um, Yeah, basically like, like the two sides of him sort of fighting each other out internally um, throughout the rest of the film. And then, you know, one side prevails. That's sort of how I'd summarize it. But yeah, how did, how did you guys take the whole origin aspect and the arc? What was this journey for Snow? Um, um, oh, oh. Dude, I, dude, I, I, I waited so fucking long for you to speak. I waited long and you for didn't you to speak. Fucking, <laughs> I was, oh, dude, I was waiting and, and you fucking... All right. 
No, you go. Um, no, you go, you go. No, no, no. Because <laughs> um, then you're going to complain that I stole your idea again. Oh, you did steal my idea. No, uh, was it? Um, yeah. No, it is two like sides of the same coin. Yeah, that does that oh, yeah. does make sense. Um, but I did feel like I didn't, I didn't fully understand how how his journey with her kind of aided in his arc. How how, how it made her, how it made him become um who he is, um you know evil, because it feels like this the side of him that wants power and control and just like is out for himself basically um it kind of exists by itself as you said it's like two different sides and that side kind of just slowly wins over with like to me like not much prompting you know because like you could in his mind maybe like she betrayed him or whatever but that was only after he was basically threatening to kill her you know so it feels like everything is Everything is kind of started by his own psychology, you know. There's nothing, it, there's nothing external in her story that kind of forces his, um, you know, becoming. I think, like at least I don't understand what it is yet. But maybe you, you can enlighten me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you see, the way I I actually see the film is more highlighting the fact that there is no duality to him he is he has oh. he, he is an explicitly you know malicious evil person you know i think this whole kind of this whole kind of side thing with lucy lucy gray it still serves a selfish kind of intention but like i think it was just a byproduct of him trying to you know trying trying to trying to exact his 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 kind of methods to 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 rise you know like we're we're always showing that he's hungry for money hungry for power he's hungry he feels like it's deserved he feels like it's owed to him we see him constantly make recommendations to the games as they're acting as he's meant to be helping lucy who is supposedly falling for that work against her well not work against her but work against her kind of people for years to come you know, and right. that's yeah. and like, I think everything he does is self-serving. I, th- I, 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 I think the film or this story that Susan wrote was more meant to show that there was never really a good side to him. You know, that's so, that's so interesting. So you didn't really you didn't really buy into like their connection as much. I think he 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 definitely did fall in love with her, but I think it was it wasn't through like like it's not that it wasn't genuine but like it's just that it was a byproduct of a selfish means and that when it ultimately came to it he it wasn't uh, worth it to him you know okay interesting so it was like it only came about because he you know he went down to the train station to meet her and he and he did all this extra stuff to connect with her and he only did that because that was he wanted only to win the yeah for the prize yeah right right right, right. It's interesting. So yeah, it's so not to say that yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. So like he did care about her, but it's like the just, origin of it. Yeah. It's not it just it wasn't because he wanted to do good for District Twelve or anything. Oh shit. Like no. That. And even when he transfers there for her, I think it's I don't know, every, everything he does to help her helps himself, you know? And he, he he admits as much to someone when he when when they question, you know, what do you actually want? And he goes, I want both. 
or whatever, where he says, yes. you know, what he wants. Yep. Um, yep. But I think it, I think he hides how much it is self-serving for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine Susan writing a story that does try to paint him in a positive light because he is meant to be, you know, the book's Hitler. Um, so mm. I, I, like, I really do think that this is meant to be just, it disguises it well, but I think it is meant to be more of a, you know, a, mm. a, a, you know, a, a, he is right. purely bad. But that's kind of what I was saying. Like, there's, n- there's nothing in Lucy Gray's story that, like, kind of forces this upon him. Like, he just kind of has that from the beginning, you know, and it's slowly kind of realised throughout the film. You you mean forces the, the, the change for him to become full? full yeah. Dictator, yeah. Full yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I did take your thought again. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I like that a lot. I guess that's a credit to the film because th- this is all making so much sense to me, but it's well disguised then because that's not how I read it initially because I did very much buy into the relationship, how much he cared. I sort of viewed it as, yeah, someone does ask him early in the movie. I think it's when, um, it's when like they're, I don't know, they're sitting around that, they're in like the class thing with Peter Dinklage in the middle. And um, someone asks him, you know, when he starts giving tips on the Hunger Games and how to improve and shit, and someone asks him, you know, which one do you want? Do you care about Lucy Gray or do you want to make the Hunger Games better and more viewable? You know, it was basically the essence of the question. And he said he, he says he wants both. So that's sort of where the two-coin idea came from for me. But what Jaden's saying makes a lot of sense in that he only he only wants the Lucy Gray thing as, a, as an extension of the other thing kind of thing. Mm. Um, which is interesting. So I guess. I I if, even in one of the yeah. more pure moments of his emotion coming through after Sojanus dies, mm. um, I think it's more of a self-pity for him rather than for the death of his friend in that. Like it's, it's kind of. Oh, really? Wow. That's like, like, like I, th- I think, it's, I think like, I, I think there is a genuine emotion there, but like if, if we're pushing the idea that he is sing, sing, singularly bad, I think I think it makes more sense for it to be a. It's it's meant to be more of a, a release of what have I done rather than my friend's gone, you know. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. I agree with that. So it is interesting. I think I think he does get to a point. Ultimately, what I think makes him sort of stop. I don't know. What, what do you? How do you want to word it? Like embrace who he is or whatever, you know, like where he, he just commits to the full evil, right? Because um, he is sort of in this thing where when he's in District 12 later in the film, I guess we'll just get to it. It's totally relevant. Um, when he's there, he, he is very much, I feel like, in, in his actions trying to have it both ways at times. Um, because like like Jaden admits, he does care about Lucy Gray, right? So mm-hmm. he is... He he still does like he agrees to run away with her and he does you know what I mean so it's like that's a big deal. Man, um, I don't get very far. They fucking walk to that cabin no. earlier. I mean, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They walk like I don't know. Got the vibe it was like half a day or something. Um, so yeah, no, he does agree to do that, and he does go out of his way to protect her and the and the resistance and shit, you know. Um, but I guess it's just a point. I viewed it as he just got to a point where he's making all these different choices in the third act that just start overlapping and contradicting with each other and they don't, there's nowhere to go. They don't, one has to give in basically, you know what I mean? In terms of protecting Lucy, committing to Lucy or just, you know, becoming who he's meant to be or, you know, becoming the evil tyrant guy. Because 
the main, I guess, the two sides of it really are mainly, you know, when he when he shoots the dude, um, when he kills those people, and you know protects the rebellion, and you know being exposed and shit, and then the other one would be when he records, you know, when he Sir Janus when he records the message and um, and rats him out. Mm. It's like though he's just he's, he's doing too much at once. He's just at the end of the day, it can't be both. And he, him, yeah, running, him running away was still for his own sake because he didn't want to get caught and hung, hanged. He Right, okay, okay, right. Yeah. And then okay. him finding the guns, like, mm. it's just, it was perfect for him, you know? Like it was perfect. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I viewed it. No, that's that's another way to interpret why he ran. That's, that's a good point. I guess I just thought he did run for Lucy, I thought, but then when he sees the gun and then at that point, because the whole thing with Lucy's fucked up by then. Mm. Which is a great, which is a great scene in the cabin, by the way. When you both, it was like a gasp for me. When you both, they both know what's going on, and they just like won't say. It's that was genius. But um, it's at that point, I thought, okay, he conveniently found the gun. He realizes he's in too deep, and the gun's his way out, and that's his way to commit, basically, you know. And then that's when he realizes, okay, well, this path is this path of Lucy is like, this is now going to lead me nowhere because I fucked myself by trying to play all these different games and, you know, lied to her about Sejanus and, you know, he recorded the message to try and gain favour with the capital, obviously, and, and get a better position there. That's why he did it. So you can't do that and then, you know, try and win over Lucy at the same time. It's just not, never going to work that way. So anyway, I just sort of viewed it as like the two paths converging to where he was ultimately inevitably going to be as a person, you know. Right. Okay. Um, if that if that makes sense. So that's kind of how I, how I viewed it. But... I guess, Jane, you're seeing it as less of that that diverting path that culminates and more of this like, oh, yeah, it's just, I just thought it was interesting when you said that he actually ran away with Lucy to protect himself in the first place. It was like he, there was never another path. Hmm. Which but also, again, he, he still ran away for her a little bit. A little it, bit. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was just as a consequence of. Yes, it's did less he, so the two, the two sides. Yeah, yeah. Did he also shoot that? Um, the mayor's daughter, because like in that room, like his self-motivated um reason could be that like he was also associated with those people, um, because he was standing in that room, right? Um, yeah, he would also be routed out of. Yeah, that's what I was telling. So Janice as much of he's like, I'm getting hung, hanged just for knowing you. So like his, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the name of Janice? By the way, is that is that? Is it like just it. one? Is name? it one word? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I actually don't mind it in terms of capital names. It sounds like a knight of the king's guard, but like mm. Sir Janus, not Sir Janus. But I, th- I think the way it's spelled is S E J, so it's, it's it's not so much Sir it's as Sir Janus. Sir Janus. Sir Janus. Yeah. Mm, okay. Sir Giovanni. As far as um names go, just did you did you recognize any of the other name drops that they have in the movie? The heavens bees and the hell yeah, I don't know. There was a crane, right? Yeah, um, the the bloody Jason Schwartzman. Oh, was it? Oh yeah, of course. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, he was. Was he? Was he actually? No, he he was. He was Flickerman. Sorry, he was Flickerman. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah, Flickerman. My bad. Flickerman. He needs his own section in this podcast. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Shit. Hang on. I don't want to. I feel like I don't want to get too far away from this right now. So, so sorry to sorry to. Double, let's no, no. double down no, a little right. bit here. Right. Let's double down a little bit here. I, I, I definitely want to talk about those things. But um, 
the scene, I think that, are you talking about the scene specifically Fitzy in terms of the commitment scene? It's, it's gotta be when he's out in the woods and he's like sniffing the, what is it like the blanket or the napkin, whatever it is? Mm, the shawl. The shawl. Okay. That is, I think that's it. Right. And it's all nonverbal, which is great, but, and it was a great performance, but it does, it does confuse me a bit because he does, he does try and kill Lucy, you know? But yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like it raises an interesting question, which is like, how does like an educated and like sophisticated and like a person who thinks he's moral convince himself that trying to do good just leads to kind of um, punishment and, you know, you know, things turning sour. Um, and this is how he kind of is able to justify it to himself by forcibly like, um, you know, going to 12 and putting, putting himself as close to trouble as he can. And when the trouble kind of bites him in the back, he's like, oh, well, this is what happens, you know, when I get too close. You know, so he's, he's, he's pretty, like, he's pretty cognitively, like, trying to figure out how to justify the path that he's already on to himself, kind Interesting. of. And, like, him yeah. him almost killing Lucy, which leads to him, you know, getting bit, is kind of like a mini, it's a mini um, proof of that whole story, I guess. Um, even with like being friends with, you know, um, Plith's son, um, Sejanus is like, he's getting as close to he can as to like, um, you know, this thing, these causes that, that'll get him in trouble, I guess. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I like that a lot. So the moment, the shot that confused me a little bit, you know how they, when he's running around the woods with the gun and shit and he starts firing and stuff, that, you know, there's a, br- there's a brief shot where like, it looks like sort of from his perspective, like he did hit someone. Yeah. I saw that being possibly explained by like the effects of the snake bite. So was he bit first before that? Yeah. yeah. He was already losing okay. at that point. Got it. Okay. So that, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Okay. So really he just goes out into the woods basically with the intent of killing Lucy, right? And then. He starts firing, and that's that's really all we know. Like everything else is kind of. I don't think. Been... I don't think the intent was to. Oh wait, wait. Do you mean like from the initial set out, or from like from when he leaves the cabin? From when he leaves the cabin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to kill Lucy. I think the cabin. He realized, oh shit, yeah, I'm fucked. Yeah, I've got to do this now. It's got to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Okay, so I guess everything after the snake bite, yeah, it is sort of just, we're sort of in his head. We sort of don't know what's going on. I mean, I guess. Oh yeah, because I guess the other bit of evidence was like the the, the footprints, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I sort of have no reason to believe that she died, to be honest. Nah. Unless I'm misreading this. No, I don't think so. I think it's just left a mystery, even in the book, I think. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I feel like she definitely survived, right? Mm. Mm. Just ran off somewhere, hanging out. Yeah, she survived everything. She survived the, she survived the games. Survived snow. She survived running out of with the gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, as um, as Peter Dinklage warned her, you know. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like she ultimately, well, ultimately in the story, she represents freedom, right? She represents, you know, the the, the in a way like a pre version of like Candace and the Rebellion, and like just in a small form in this in this time, you know. So like, 
I feel like it sort of makes perfect sense if you just imagine her like she went off free, like, and she's just out there, you know? Mm. I feel like it makes sense. Traveling musician. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I thought that all that was really interesting, 100%. I thought, good conversation, you know? Good for us. I thought, I thought yeah. this was all very good. Another very interesting I, w- I wanted to talk about was the uh, the choice to include Donald Sutherland's line, line at the end of the film and what we think that means. You know what I mean? I feel like it has to it has to like culminate the whole thing. It has to represent the whole thing in a nutshell. So like it, it ends the film, it summarizes the film. I feel like it has to summarize this this conversation, you know. He says it's the you know, it's the things we love most that destroy us. And I was trying to like I guess the earlier my earlier thoughts of what I was saying was trying to figure out if he means that like his love for Lucy Gray could have destroyed him from becoming a tyrant. But then he sort of killed that, or or if he's maybe maybe I don't think he'd be self aware enough, would he, to believe that like he's it's the opposite that he's like love for power and greed, like he destroys his humanity. Like I don't, why would he say that about himself? I don't really. That's the only two thoughts that came to mind. But but like the quote, uh, it would make sense if like Lucy Gray turned out to be um, like not as selfless as like we thought she was. Maybe that's what Snow. That's kind of what I was talking about with Snow, like um, trying to justify it. Maybe he does feel that Lucy Gray betrayed him, or um, he's trying to convince himself of that, right? Because otherwise, how does that quote make sense? You know, in that um, because in in the end, she was kind of not a selfish person. She kind of just the the snake thing was just like self defense. But maybe he he's forced the situation so that he can see it. As otherwise, I guess. You know. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. I think if you look at it as him having love for his friend as well, I think that destroys him throughout the film, and it constantly gives right. him bad con. You know, he faces consequences of having a friend. In that sense, is it like a? Is it his philosophy in a nutshell? To, I don't know, like not not. He's able to ascend so high and become president after this because he's self-aware. Like he's fully aware of that. That is his philosophy. So he doesn't love or attach himself to things. Yeah. And he fully has. Because we see yeah. even Tigress gets relegated to just being. Yes. Like just someone that lives in the capital with her own little shop. Right. And could you say that the experience we've brought up here with Sir Janice and with Lucy Gray, like that sort of, he was on this path already. As as you're arguing, but like you know, these these relationships that he does care about popping up on the side, but then he sees the consequences of them for him, and then he like commits to killing them. Basically, he commits to not doing them, not falling for people. You know, mm. Mm. he's basically becomes sort of heartless to get to the top. I guess the the consequences are driven by him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is how he's forcing himself to justify it this way, right? Because so Janus being killed was a byproduct of him, you know, sending the message to the capital. Yeah. Right? So, like, he, he's done that and then he's he's acting like, oh, I had friends and this, this happened all by itself, so I shouldn't have friends. You know what I mean? Mm. Even though he did do something to, like, influence that and he didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. So he, he's forcibly, like, forgetting about mm. that, right? He's forcibly, right, right. He's forcibly like 
you know, putting that out of his mind completely that he's, he, it's his own doing. But um, he's acting like it's just the association with friends and people he you know loves that is doing this. Got it. So, 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 yeah, yeah. So do you think like what I'm saying is what he thinks, but it's inherently flawed? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I, mean. I think. That's what I've been saying. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I, I, no, I, I understand. I understand. That's, I mean, that's great. That's like, I feel like it's at the end of the film on purpose to like it has summarize the whole thing and like that summarize it. Like, here's the here's the bad guy's ultimate final philosophy slash justification here at the end of a film here. And uh, mm. and if you think about it, it's it's bullshit because of course it is. He's the evil dictator. You know what I mean? That's what you, that's what. I feel like Suzanne would say about the character, you know? Yeah. I don't think it makes much sense because again, he, he he's um, initiating all this, but yeah. Hang on. But I, I, I feel like, hang on. I'm so, I feel, I feel I'm like bit, we're agreeing with you, Liam, but then you get, you yeah, but then you it. keep saying like, we're not agreeing with you. I don't really get yeah. it. No, I'm just confirming what we're saying. Okay. I wasn't disagreeing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. It, just, it, just, it just feels like it's. But you can, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting. I agree with you, Jad. Okay. Okay. Now that's cool. I think we're on the same page. Let's now get into some of the other cast guys. Uh, Jan's already brought up a few. The I thought the acting was top notch across the board. To be honest, I thought it was of a higher caliber than in most, you know, big budget films like this. So I thought that was great. I thought Peter Dinklage was fantastic, and particularly mm. his particularly his final scene and it was so good because it made me like that final scene was like it made me realize what should have been obvious to me way earlier because again i was buying into this a little bit i was buying into the the snow being a good dude you know lucy gray let's go you know so for me when he had that moment where he you know we learned that he co-created the games he never wanted the games well, it was an accident, basically. That then his father, Snow's father, took the idea of the games that he blabbered about as a joke. He feels responsible for that. His whole thing is that he, because he's that's why he's like an addict. The whole movie, he wants to, he hates the games. He wants them to die. And then when I realized, like the whole movie, I was basically rooting against this guy. You know, this guy. Oh, he's annoying. He keeps he keeps putting barriers in Snow's way. He keeps, you know what I mean? He's annoying for Snow, so this <laughs> guy sucks. And then I get to the end and I realize, oh, this guy just actually wanted to end the Hunger Games the whole time, which is very admirable of him. And he was so close. Exactly. He was so close and he's trying to do it from the inside. And it's like, makes tons of sense. He feels guilty about it. But then, like, I realized I was rooting for the guy who was trying to perpetuate the Hunger Games for generations to come. You know what I mean? Mm. And I just thought it was a really interesting flip of the script that at least for me, like, worked based on the relationships I had with the characters at that time. Um, so, yeah, Peter English was actually heroic when I thought he was a pain in the ass. So that's why I thought that scene was so good. Did you guys feel that at all, by the way? Was I just uh, being a bit of a dull? Yeah. It felt a bit annoying that, like, in each scene with um, Snow and Snow and him, they kind of, like, alluded to... The fact that like he hated him for some reason, and they, they kept saying that until they revealed it at the very end. But um, yeah, it was a good you know reveal, a good like bit of lore, I guess. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it's set up right from the first scene when you know he's like, I don't know what that shit he. I guess they're drugs or something. I don't know what he's doing. You know, in that first scene where he's like, he's got that little vial or something. Yeah, they I think it's the form of morphine, isn't it? Because they call it like morphling or something. Mor- like morphling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's set up right from then, and uh, it makes perfect sense. Dan already says he disliked Hunter Schaefer, so uh, it was I didn't fucking say that. 
No, no, no. Don't put words <laughs> in my mouth. Liam said that. Yeah, as you. So you and then I said her character was awkward because her character was awkward because she just kind of clasps her hands and says sh- random shit and just, oh. I don't know, just doesn't really yeah. do much and just, just kind of sits around, stares and just. I was, I, I was a bit disappointed by that, actually, that she didn't have um like a bigger role as like one of the loved ones that, you know, Snow would be talking about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, like, oh, in- oh, no. I- sorry, sorry. Go for it. Sorry. Um, no, like uh, they, they set her up a bit as like someone who's going to be more important, but she's kind of, um, she's, she's kind of like a one, like just a reminder in the back of his head, like, oh, the rent and these people are, you know, going and all this kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. So they kind of bring up every, you know, half an hour or something, but she's still fine. It w- right. It was upsetting that she goes on to become a, a, a fairy, you know, I didn't really like that, but. No, no, she worked for me. I thought she was great in the film, and I thought that I know he's, she's like that moral. It's she. She's interesting in that she she's like the moral conscience, you know, constantly reminding him that like you know be nice to the district people. That you know, but basically like the anti classism thing, which is like important for Snow to hear. And like I was sort of hoping he'd hear it a bit more, which he I don't know, don't think he did by the end. But so she said that role, but then. It, it's also a strong motivator, like, you know, like, like we said with the rent and, you know, wanting a better life for his family. It's like, like, you know, that scene when, when he uh, calls her from 12, you know, um, that I feel like that was a strong motivator for him. So I don't know it's mm. interesting in that she wouldn't want him to do the things he's doing, but he's sort of, he's doing them because of her partly, you know? So, um, or at least, he, you know, we could argue that maybe he thinks he is or isn't or whatever, but like, at least I think in the film it is wanting a better life for them is a, is a motivator for him. So I thought, I thought the role was made perfect sense. Yeah. Mm. Viola Davis was creepy as fuck, you know? Oh, yeah, did she of, ever play that? She felt like a, she felt like a capital person in seven years in the future, you know, not. Right. Felt, felt a bit Roald Dahlish to me, mm, mm. you know, I didn't, I didn't mind it though, but I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah. yeah. It stood out. Yeah, her and um, Schwartzman being like having like their own version of it, like a hammed up performance, was you know, but yeah. like they were both entertaining in their own way. I guess, I guess, yes. Maybe she influenced you know the fashion for the future. Maybe that's why mm. she's so like outlandish. Probably that's probably true. Speaking of Schwartzman, dude, they really, really leaned into him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like when I was praising Stanley Tucci in the other reviews. I think Stanley Tucci's great as Caesar in, in the other films. I feel like he's more of a hidden gem in those films. You know what I mean? Where, like, he's there, he serves his role, and, like, I'm getting a lot of entertainment out of just his little lines and shit. Like, but, but that aren't explicitly there to entertain me. You know what I mean? They're, mm. they're there for the plot. They're there for the story, but I just think they're entertaining. I feel like this time they, like, really doubled down, and they're just like, we're just going to insert tons of dialogue just for, the, for, for this character, um, mm. literally just for, like, comedic slash entertainment value, which, you know, I'm not against. But um, I was wondering if I don't know if we thought if you guys would th- thought it might be too much at points because I sort of I got there a little bit, um, but he was objectively pretty funny. Hmm. Objectively funny. Poor choice of words, you know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I really liked him. I liked that everything that he is and how it mirrors um, Caesar in the future. Um, he looks like Caesar too, right? Mm, yeah. 
I think it was a good. I, th- I, th- I think it was a good choice in casting as well. Um, I don't know. I feel like he he really he really he really, he really gets Stanley. You know, he really. Yeah, it really felt like a descendant of the same character, which I enjoyed. Were there any other cast members? Like, were there any tributes that we knew? No, my mum said one of the guy with the, like, the guy with only one arm, which I think Snow Kills is, uh, he was Australian, but. Oh, really? Not that I know anything about him, yeah. I think a lot of the tributes were um, first time um, actors. When I was looking through. Oh, yeah, I saw a bit of that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like the sick girl from Seven, I think. um, Oh, yeah. For example. (laughs) Walking tuberculosis. Yeah. <laughs> I think like even like the Lumberjack characters, um, whatever district they're from, maybe they're seven. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I think they were first time actors as well and shit. Yeah. 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 The, um, okay. No, that's cool. I mean, I feel like we almost brushed over the fact that Snow killed a guy and enjoyed it. Just mm. I killed a guy well. and I liked it. <laughs> it pretty, that was pretty much the whole scene. Um, that the District Twelve officer guy was very familiar to me. Oh, oh yeah, dude, he's in everything. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and oh, I yeah. don't know what, oh, what from. Dude, for me, I, I literally searched up last night and I've already forgotten. He was um, in the Dark Knight. He's in the Dark Knight. Dark Knight, um, Rises. Yeah, no, he's in Dark Knight Rises, isn't it? I can't oh, remember Rises. Dark Knight. But, um, Is he in Game of Thrones? Um, Flickman's so. a. Um, Sorry. oh yeah, Lucretia's actually is actually. Um, like they're they descendants or whatever. They're they're both Flickerman, Caesar and Lucretius and uh, Schwartzman. So he's like his I don't know, granddad or some shit. Which is fine. Wait, what are you talking about? Jason Schwartzman and Stanley Tucci. They're both they're related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, did you go? Did you guys already get that? I thought that was obvious. Yeah, their last name was Flickerman. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can cut that. That's all right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I thought you were saying that. I thought you were saying the District 12 officer guy is also related to the Flickermans. I was like, what? No, no. Never mind. I guess we can... Let's talk about the games a little bit. I feel like they usually would get a stronger, larger section in this review. But, uh, well, I mean, they get a bit of a lesser role in the film too. So I guess that sort of makes... What do you guys think of this rudimentary version of the games? It was probably my least favorite aspect of the movie, to be honest. Well, I think it was a good place to show how it evolved from here as well. Like the way that, well, That's true. I think another cool aspect was the 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 fact that that the act of rebellion in the background was cool, but the fact that they changed the stadium for the first time is probably what gives Snow the idea to create you know, for, to to then generate new stadiums in future games as well. Like in that yeah. instance, um, yeah. and having that element of surprise rather than having the structured stadium. Um, becomes part of the spectacle of the show. I thought that was cool too, but I thought that's what was going to happen in this movie because when they get there and it's just like this Coliseum thing. I that was like, wasn't the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. I th- See, I thought that was – I thought it was cool in that like, oh, look, it's like this, you know, earlier version of the games. We see how they evolve. That's cool. But then I thought then when it was bombed, you know, that then that was going to be the reason that then they start – then the, the real games were going to start and they were going to be like – it was going to be the first actual arena. You know, like the ones we're sort of used to, like a maybe an mm. older version. You know what I mean? So then when they still did the games in that little Coliseum thing, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. 
Like the size, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it was okay, but like the size of it was just odd. Like it felt like such a small space. Like how did, how did it even last that long? You know what I mean? Like the fact characters couldn't find each other and see each other. You, you know, every time they tried to convince me that a character couldn't see another character like behind them doing something in this space was kind of weird. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the idea of it though in terms of like having the Hunger Games used to be in this little tiny arena and then it went from there after scenario. Like I like that conceptually yeah well it makes sense because you know high bottom's trying to make it as, as boring as possible but yeah true that's true it used to be over quickly you know how yeah that was the yeah. point it was it wasn't yeah it yeah. wasn't entertainment yeah mm. no i mean it was basically just like watching executions like why would you watch it no why do people go and watch gladiators fight each other it's cool i guess <laughs> jane's a supporter of it jane would watch the hunger games in that form but yeah was there any i don't know was there any any action because it was it was still a substantial part of the movie i don't want to overplay it was there underplay it sorry was there any action that uh that stood out to you guys snow i I mean snow's like resourcefulness in the movie was pretty cool like the way he used the bottles in that in that scene was you know that that was a yeah cool like they marking that to like a to a tense you know moment a resolution i guess yeah the drones were pretty funny. They were just I love how it's established that they can they can bring in like a shit ton of things, but they're only ever sent water. Mm. It, the whole idea of like them sending in care packages in that small of an arena like kind of confused me at first too. Mm. Like, how can you? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like the other games that make sense because the arenas are so large. You know, people have space and shit. So like, I'll send this guy some water, even if the drones did work. Like I'll send this guy some water, and then like everyone going to see it. Even sure, a location sure. giveaway. In terms of building on like the conceptual element of that we were talking about, I really did enjoy like how they handled a lot of the other origin elements in terms of, you know, the games being in the Coliseum Arena was good. The tributes being like the way they were just treated was very interesting, you know, mm. being brought in on that train, specifically mentioned that, you know, it was a terrible, basically like a Holocaust level experience on the train. I mean, you know, with the, the guy was bit by the rat or whatever. Got rabies. Um, and then they're thrown into a zoo. It's like, wow, to starve. Um, obviously, you know, very cool to see that as such a strong contrast to the original films where, you know, you get the the whole thing is that you get the huge buffets, the luxury train, the elite training centers um, that make up the, fir- you know, the, the, the first halves of those films. So I just thought it was cool. And it makes so much sense to see how, Snow's whole perspective on, you know, making it more watchable and entertaining would progress from here, you know, to, to that stuff. But, and again, it makes perfect sense, but I just never would have thought of it, you know, to see how tributes used to be treated before him. And it's like, is it any better? Arguably not. Like you, you could you could argue it's like, you know, it's like uh, putting lipstick on a pig or whatever, you know, polishing a turd in terms of like the mm-hmm. idea of, bad analogies, but you know what I mean? Like the idea of the games are bad no matter what. Like let's not try and, let's not try and give him credit for, Treating them a bit better, giving them some, uh, giving them some dessert before they're executed. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. So Jonas says, yes. says that he says like, "Oh, we're just going to fatten them up now, or whatever, fatten up right. fatigues." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it, which is exactly what it is. But I did. It makes me appreciate the uh, the original films stuff. I just took for granted them. You know, like I never really thought it was going to be any other way with the train and and the treatment. Hmm. Treat the tributes humanely, you know. Did you guys expect Snow to become a peacekeeper? The whole part three 
sort of turn of the narrative, was that surprising and a strong aspect for you guys? Because it the the fact that the games were over and we still had all that time left and seeing him go into exile was just a cool part of the story I just never would have thought was going to come. I think this kind of goes to what Liam was saying about how with the trailer he knew that he knew he knew how the games would play out and that there would be something afterwards in that in the way that oh, yeah. we see them interact. But I just took it as like in the when we see them in together in the trailer, like in twelve, I just thought that was like pre games and that was just him as a mentor getting to know Yeah. Like yeah. his tribute. So I no, like so like I I didn't think all those scenes were gonna be pissy. I thought that was just gonna be him as, you know, normal. Um so when they threw yeah. that that aspect in, you know, that was a yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh yeah, I knew that I knew that he would, you know, become a peacekeeper from the trailers, but I didn't think it would be like um so extent so extensive or like a you know, a punishment or like an after kind of story. But it it worked for what it was. Um Oh sorry, so the trailer actually showed him as a peacekeeper. I think it did. Yeah. In a helmet at least. Oh, that's a bummer. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was totally well, when it came out part three, the peacekeeper, I was like, Oh, that's cool. I was I was not expecting this. He's kind of um, he's kind of like Napoleonic. His character, with like you know, like if we were to go by the way that the the, the Napoleon TV uh, ads are currently running, soldier at sixteen, general at twenty four, and then emperor at thirty six. Like that's pretty much snow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. So hang on. That I think that I think the shot you you're talking about, Fitzgerald, you saw in the trailer, and that sort of spoiled it a bit for you. Yeah, like like the sunny place where they meet in District Twelve. Is that the same spot as the epilogue in Mockingjay Part Two? Oh, I was thinking that because it's like the rolling hills and stuff. Looks it, exactly it the same. I, I, yeah. That's what I figured it was, but I don't know. Mm. Mm. Well, like in the movies before that, like in, in you know the first two or whatever, they don't. It feels like they don't have that much as much like open space. Like that's not really available to them. You know. Um, yeah. So they would have yeah. been like closed off or whatever, and then yeah, but it does look similar. I think you guys were talking about outside the cinema how 12 feels a lot more substantial than this. I think it makes sense that over time it becomes like a shanty town as a form of Snow exacting revenge against 12 and how he feels wronged by it and just gets less and less funding, less and less look after and just kind of poverty is left to kind of fester. Yeah, but it's still one twelfth of an entire country and, you, and it, it st- still feels like it's a small town. Hmm. I like that idea, like if that, in terms of like looking at like the the buildings and the sets and stuff, but like the, just the scale is a bit weird still. True, 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 true. You know, it had a bit more scale in this. I thought no, again, pro- not not to the extent it probably should still, but maybe there's still a part of this lore I'm not getting. I don't know. Mm. I thought the score was fantastic. Yes, James Newton Howard comes in again. He's done all of them. Yeah, he was he was there from four. Yeah, I, mean, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good. How did we feel about the callbacks and some of the references in terms of like, you know, obviously the Katniss mention, was it too much? Um, I enjoyed like, I bring that up with the score because I enjoy like the musical nods, but. um, I like that, like just with the callbacks, I like how they recontextualize the hanging tree. Because in the original, when, 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 when Katniss sings it, you kind of imagine it as being like this evil guy who murdered his family or some shit is the one that, you know, killed three and that's why they're showing him up. But then when you find out it was a freedom fighter who didn't actually do anything wrong or whatever, and the way that it's actually like a revolution song, and then it becomes a revolution song again, you know, I, I, I quite like that, you know. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
And I liked, I don't know, I, I just on the, I did like Rachel's singing throughout the film. Um, oh, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's worth a huge shout out to that. No doubt. The only trivia I had is that uh, she sang all of the songs live on set. Wow. A plus. I didn't expect it to have a Southern accent. Um, like even after she, she sang, I was still like, I was shocked when she started like speaking. Yeah. It worked. That's very true. That's very true. Fitzy made that comment milliseconds before I was about to say she sang way better than Emma Stone in La La Land. So, um, but I still got it in. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. did did you not hate it when like she started singing? Don't you like hate that when like a musical piece is like injected into a normal film? Didn't didn't you say that you didn't like that? Once? When it when it breaks the reality of the film. Oh, okay. So because the the characters are in on it, it's it's all good. Well, it's just it's just it's just diegetic or whatever you want to say it's in universe they're just singing a song in the movie mm, okay. they don't, yeah, like they break out a dance number yeah they don't they don't do, start acting in a way where it's like okay now i understand like like i'm not meant to actually you know what i'm saying in west side story are you telling me that like they're actually dancing in this moment they're not it's like it's meant to be like i don't know whatever you want to say it's like it's another level of reality in the in the story you know what i mean uh-huh. she's just singing she's just a lady singing in a movie you know okay you don't care if she sings. No, got nothing against the singing. Turn against Emma Stone. Exactly, hundred mm. percent. All right, Andy wrote in his review for the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and he says the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is not totally perfect, but one could tell it's not trying to be the most superior movie of the franchise. It wants to present themselves as a humble origin story. Coming from a person who loved Donald Sutherland's President Snow, you're amongst good company. It succeeds in every way possible due to the continuous charm of his younger self played by Tom Blythe. His character arc simply comes in a perfect, satisfying circle, and that's all I could ask for out of this experience. Exciting watch, 7 out of 10. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. I know Andy was a bit of a Hunger Games doubter, as you know, Jaden, in terms of... Yeah, he, he, generic. he still... He still. What, what did he give the first one? Did he give the first one a six? I don't know. Is that true? Maybe. I can't remember. I, th- I think he started off the series low, um, because of his perception of the films as being mainstream and blockbustery. But yes. I think he's come to appreciate them. Like I said, I think this one doesn't feel like that a lot. So that's probably why he likes it. Very mm. good. Um, Luke, also see like. Th- Am I meant to read this? No. This is what this is what I was talking about with this whole contract with Luke and writing in a letterbox review, and because he, I think he expects. Oh, me to he read does it. expect it, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but this feels like it's just like a funny little letterboxed review for himself. You know what I mean? Or like for for our, for our viewing pleasure on Letterbox. I don't. It's not mm. a. Sh- it's not a show content review. You know no. what I'm saying? It's a bad joke as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to comment on that, but. Uh... <laughs> Luke said 8 out of 10, very confused. Where was Katniss Everdeen? I was confused too. Well, they said, as we said, they said Katniss. She was there mm. in the ground. Um, this is confusing to me, Luke. I guess everyone just fo- follow Luke on Letterboxd and then don't complain when I don't read these ones. How about that? I think it was um, something interesting that, made, that the film made me realize was the fact that the mayor or like any any anyone governmental in, in the districts was actually capital still. Like they weren't. For some reason, I just assumed that the mayor would still be elected by the district, or and you know they would be a representative of them. But then, like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, of course they're going to be capital. And like, this film finally made me realize it in the way that the mayor and his daughter, and the way that he bought the 
he bought the reaping to make sure that Lucy got selected. You know, like it's that's such trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kudos to this film for making me finally realize something that should have been obvious. There you go. It's doing it for both of us mm. with this Hunger Games universe, realizing <laughs> all this obvious shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that either. For of sure. course, the dictatorship isn't going to allow mm. elections. Like, what? Yeah, think, yeah. Think exactly. Jaden. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, actually, because I never, I never thought they were democratically elected. But at the same time, yeah, I didn't think it was. I don't know, don't know what I thought. Mm. Let's get into our final thoughts, verdict on. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We'll do a ranking as well. Maybe that'll bring out some more. Some more. I don't know. Jaden, what are you going to give it? I was I was going into this expecting an A, but I, I, I quite liked our discussion, to be honest. Good. Um, for once, you added something of value. I'm just, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> more so than uh, the fifth element, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 dude, do I leave it on a strong end? Do I leave it on a, on a, on a not? I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be positive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck a nine on it. I'll put a, I'll put a nine on it. Um, in terms of ranking, though, I don't know if it surpasses the first film. I think I love it for its world that it creates, but I, I think the first film, albeit with a lower score, it does now have. But I, I think the first film is still the strongest one. Really? Sorry, I'm sorry. You like the first film more than Catching Fire? Do I? I don't know. I think I do. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. So okay, so these three are in top contention. Then so where does is do you like Mockingjay Part Two better than Part One? Yeah, interesting. I saw Francis Lawrence said but, that uh, he wished Mockingjay was one movie. By the way, just yeah. So so actually, just on that. Sorry, uh, I I had to interrupt now after you decided to move on. I'm sorry. Do you think that this could have been made into like a three episode miniseries or something like that, just to? Because I think that would have eased out some of the awkwardness of character introductions and some of the dialogue that kind of just feels kind of too skipped over or something like that. And just giving it mm. that little bit more time to breathe, you know, what would that be? If it, like, uh, you, you know, it, it, it'd still end up at a similar time, but I think having having that short series structure just gives that little, that would, would give that little more, you know? It's like he shouldn't have learned his lesson from Mockingjay and he should have still split it up the story. No, I don't agree. Well, so he said th- th- there was a fair bit cut in this movie, I think. Um, was there? There's a, there's a, yeah. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you were saying about the dialogue in that in that opening stuff. But, like, for me, it doesn't – it didn't really bother me personally and it doesn't justify cutting this up. I haven't read the nice book yet, so I don't know how much is missing from the book. But from True. what we've seen on screen, I think that had it been made into a short form – television show or even two movies we could have explained we could have explored the current rebellion that was still going a bit more i think he could have done a bit more district work in terms of other districts other than just 12 mm. i don't know I, I i think it could have worked um but you know yeah yeah okay okay sorry yeah anyway mm. yeah no i um i'm all for the standalone i'm all for it anyway sorry Fitzy, what are you going to give this film I'll 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 give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a very oh. strong seven. Okay. Like I think I like the kind of um the justification for Snow's behavior that I kind of invented. But um I like it a lot too. Yeah, but uh, I'll I still wanna see if it like kinda of stands the t- test of time, I guess, in my mind. So 
Yeah. No, it's a strong eight for me. This is this is definitely going to be on my top ten for the year for sure. Like I said, felt like it was about something, you know, and I loved our conversation about it. And I feel like few movies this size of an established franchise have us debating a character so extensively. So I thought that was really strong about it for sure. And and like I said, the fact it doesn't like end in the Hunger Games, you know what I mean? It just felt like it, it didn't give a fuck about making sure the Hunger Games was X amount of runtime or making sure it t- checked boxes or whatever. It just, it did its thing. And that was evidenced in that having the third act there at all, you know? I think it's going to make me reevaluate my previous scores. Well, you've just, yeah, you've uh, you've opened a whole can of worms with which one you like most out of those three. Mm. My ranking is... Okay, not enough time has passed for me to put this above Catching Fire yet, but um, but it could, it could. Uh, Catching Fire, this film, the first one, part two, part one. Fitzy, we need your ranking. Me? Um, Catching Fire... Part two, this, uh, Hunger Games, and then part one. Okay. I didn't realize you like part two that much. Like, yeah, so I like part two a lot, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Okay, there it is. Five months of Hunger Games is over. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Let me tell you, if we can do it, anyone can. And that's thanks to Zencaster. Like a lot of other podcasts out there, our show is recorded over the web every week. But trying to record a podcast with platforms like Zoom and Discord can be an audio quality disaster. I'm sure you've heard some of the podcasts I'm talking about with long delays, sound cutting in and out. It is not pleasant. Zencaster captures studio quality sound for all of your guests right from your web browser. Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. And with Zencaster's all-in-one platform, you can create and distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations all in one place. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code CINEMAEFFECT to get 30% off your first month of any paid plan. That's Zencaster.com slash pricing with promo code CINEMAEFFECT with an E for 30% off today. Feel a sense of zen with Zencaster. Um, there's no news chat this week. Let's get into our highlights of the week. Holy moly, Jaden, what have you been watching? I watched um I watched I watched the Boogeyman. Uh, um, it's a this is a, an adaptation of a Stephen King work apparently, and 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 it was quite incredible to be honest. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it to be kind of trashy, but it it it, it genuinely scared me throughout. Um, I think horror films that play on kind of primal fears of like the dark and, 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 you know, seeing things at the edge of your vision are always super effective. And this, and this, this, this movie had me If you're not afraid of the dark, this movie will make you scared of the dark. I don't know. The story is quite decent. The characters are fantastic. Um, the acting is really great. It starts, it, it, um, uh, it starts some random chick, um, but she, she was quite good, but it also features, um, old mate, um, from everyone, um, little layer, um, and she does really? she does so much of a better job in this film than she does in everyone. She actually watching her in this made me forget that she's an actress and I just thought that she was a child that was just it it, it felt real. It felt super real her performance in this. And I was like, fuck. I was like, damn. That's good cool. acting. Especially in contrast to everyone. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm, I'm yeah, just I <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I I was I was Quite blown away by it, to be honest, because um, I was going in with pretty low expectations. Um, and it's just a, a it's a neat hundred minute horror movie, you know. There's no 
no nothing drawn out so it was, it was it was good excellent so i take it it's new if it's got hair in it yes yeah yeah this year i was gonna ask is this like a 90s film <laughs> you know yeah she's a fucking embryo and you know yeah. <laughs> oh yeah okay excellent excellent um do you guys speaking of 2023 films do you guys want to choose for me between tetris and pain hustlers hmm. pain hustlers sure it's like i haven't heard anything about that film is that seconded? seconded? Yeah, sure, sure. All right. Dave, Bane Hustlers is uh, directed by David Yates, which is why I wanted to watch it. Oh, oh, awesome. yeah. yeah, very obviously a very different film for him. Like, it's not like it's not like I'm uh, seeing a lot of crossover and directorial style between Potter or anything. Um, but it's got Emily Blunt, it's got Chris Evans, and it's basically about the uh, opioid crisis, you know, and all the like, the system of um that have i don't know if, i don't know if it legally can even happen here if it has happened here to be honest and be ignorant on that but in the u.s um when pharmaceutical companies basically manipulate doctor prescriptions to get doctors to prescribe their drug through um dodgy means aka bribery slash flirtation and then make a shitload of money off of prescribing drugs that people should not be having basically um it's sort of an injustice film in that way. Um, if anyone knows that that TV show Dope Sick, I was I was about to say it sounds like um something like that. It, it's the same thing. It's not the same like store. It's not the same company or the same story. Mm. Both based on true stories, but it's not like mm. the same event. But it's the same like idea uh, in terms yeah. of like the subject matter. So yes, it's about that. But I don't know. Dope Sick was like boring to me. So like th- this this sort of jammed in all the same same stuff in two hours, which I liked. But um yeah, no, it was a good film. I liked it. Uh, Emily Blunt is great as always, but like very much Emily Blunt doing an American accent, you know, doing her thing, but you know, not taking nothing away from it. So the performances that really stood out to me were I really like Chris Evans. Chris Evans just like now that he's free from Captain America, man, he can just play a good scumbag, you know what I mean? Every time like look at Knives Out, is he he's like the villain in The Grey Man, right? Too? Mm, you should watch Grey Man. I know, you keep telling me it's on my list. Um like he he plays this scumbag in the film who's kind of it's not over the top. I, I thought it was quite a good performance. It's it's like it's not an over the top scum. It's not a movie scumbag. You know what I mean? It's like oh this guy's an asshole. Clearly, it's like he's totally understandable, totally relatable. Um, quite granted, I quite cared about him, but he was a scumbag in the story. That's what he was. He was in, at the end of the day, he uh, he uh, was not a great person. You know what I mean? So I just thought that was great. Andy Garcia, dude, in this movie hilarious under underrated everyone he's going to fly under the radar probably first of all because no one will recognize it's andy garcia and then like his third scene i'm like wait is that andy garcia because he's got this beard it's like you can't he's almost unrecognizable to me um but i'm a big andy garcia fan as we know from the oceans reviews so him popping up in this and he delivers a performance that is quite it's like subtly hilarious in my opinion it's not like he's not he's not a comic he's not a comedic character but like I don't know, I just thought I thought everything they did. Um, I mean, it, like the, the movie makes fun of his character because he's like the evil CEO guy. But I just thought the performance would like really lead into it. it was really funny. And yeah, so the story was actually decent because it was only two hours long. It breezed by, and yeah, some good performances. So, Panels was pretty decent. I liked it. Anyway, Fizzy, I'm sorry. What have you been watching? Um, I only watched the. Uh, I caught up on um, Invincible season two. Um, oh you did okay great yeah 
I watched like half of the first episode like a week ago or something, but I just need to, you know, reacclimate myself to the series. Um, and no, it was pretty great. It was, you know, great as usual. Um, it's kind of expanded on the world a little bit. It's got the Viltrumites are kind of becoming like more central to the story. So the story's kind of getting, uh, the scope of the story's getting bigger in that way. Um, Who are the Viltrumites again? Was that yeah, Mark? I don't remember anything about. The first yeah, time. it was it was you know Mark Mark's dad's Nolan's um you know people who are like okay. conquer worlds and stuff. Ah, yeah. Nolan Nolan was like the um you know he he was the the person who, who was set to conquer Earth. He was kind of like put on you know guard there. Mm. Um, so yeah, they're they're becoming more central, and they kind of they kind of added this like galactic like council as well who wants to like rid of the viltrumites um and they, they introduced them in this really cool through this really cool like side story character that you see in the first season and that that episode is really great um and as luke said that there is a great uh nick cave you, you know needle drop in in one of the episodes um is it a song or is it a voice i mean it was no it's like a full song and it's like okay. a key like uh key like scene as well like uh Kind of reintroduction kind of scene um so that, that was pretty awesome um but yeah the, the show's still really funny and stuff so it's still really great yeah i love does, season did, one yeah. but i just don't remember it to be honest mm. Mm, yeah did, Sorry, do, does mark and omni-man still live at home like do they do, do they hate each other and they still live in the same house or shit Nah, he, he he's um nolan you know vanished after after the last oh, season Okay. Mm. They, yeah, he's not really allowed back on Earth. That'd uh, be funny if, like, they're like smacking the shit out of each other during the day and just mm. at night. Dude, time. after that, after that beating at the end of season one, holy shit! Okay, now comes the segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you. <laughs> <laughs> You can make a prequel to anything. You have all the power, Liam. What would it be? Dr. Luke said. This is all he wrote this week? Come on, Luke. Come uh, on. Yeah, I know. It's fucking terrible. I wish there were prequels to Star Wars. I would love to know how Anakin became Darth Vader. It's uh, two bad jokes in the space of a week, Spooky. Thank God we have those uh, evil Anakin emotes. They're perfect for that. Aiden, this was interesting, actually. Aiden said, kind of wish Ridley Scott properly wrapped up his Alien prequels better than it was, um, than what it is now. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's true. Obviously, we've reviewed all those, and I agree. Obviously, that's it. You know, those exist. But it does feel like they weren't wrapped up, so I agree. That's interesting. But they are doing, like, a show or a mo- another movie, right? I think. Alien? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. there's mm-hmm. something, isn't there? There's something coming. I think it was announced so, uh, at like the Disney thing like fucking four years ago. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Honestly, I think that's true. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll still see that. Who knows? Andy said Ted Lasso, but as an American football coach before he went to England for real football, I don't care about American sports enough, but would still be down to watch it. Yeah, that's solid. I'll is Ted a Ted successful Lasso. coach uh, in American football? Is that is, yes. is that okay? Yeah, okay, so it is kind of not, not like no, he's not like an NFL coach. Like, he's not the top top or anything. But like, oh, okay, like he was. I think he was a college, like a. I think he was like a successful Kansas college football coach. So like, no. so like decent. I think 
Uh, he wasn't take like a college level fucking football pretty seriously, to be honest. Yeah, if the, if the, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Don't quote me; I'm not an expert. But um, yeah, you know, he was a good coach. Yes, but yes, I'd always be down for more Ted Lasso. Okay, this is an interesting question because it sort of raises like, what do you want more like story of, more exploration of, more world building of, or what do you just you just want to see more of the same character in an earlier time? You know, there's all different kind mm-hmm. of angles. But uh, yeah, Jan, what do you think? I thought I thought this would be I thought I'd, I thought I'd be spoiled for options here, but it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the review about how like watching this prequel made me realize how perfectly placed other stories are in universe and like how like context clues are given enough of history that you don't really need prequels. Mm. Um, so I struggled a bit, but I, th- I think what I landed on was that the the prequel that I want and the format I want it in is. And uh, we, we've probably, I think we've just talked about this before, and I, I, we've, it probably is what we're getting um, in terms of the adapt- adaptation. But I want a Horizon Zero Dawn prequel set pre-apocalypse, following the last days, following Elizabeth Sobeck, and like make it like a really tight political thriller. Give someone, give like um, Gilroy, like a writing credit, yeah, and like right. partner him with someone from Gorilla, so you can like mimic what he did with Andor. Or like you know, throw Damon Lindelof in there because I'll always trust him. Um, but give me like this tight political thriller. Give me the big players. Give me Ted. Give me Elizabeth. Give me Carrie and Moss, and just show us that angle of her trying to stop the end of the world. Um, and I think it would make for amazing television. Just eight episodes of just pure, just fucking you know, just just tight, just tight, tight dialogue, and just you know, I don't know. Turn to the ticker for a second though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I think that would be amazing. Um, is that is that the adaptation we're getting? Sorry, from Netflix, or is that do we don't? Well, know. yes. So yeah, no, no, no. So yeah, it's interesting because the Netflix, in terms of the the format you've brought up. So Netflix, yeah, the Netflix show is that, but it's it's that mixed with Aloy. So it's like going to be okay. like part part. So my question is, so yes, we're getting it which is cool, and I totally agree. I think it's a great answer, but, like, how effective is it going to be in this format of splitting the stories? You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's going to ultimately – obviously, we'll watch it and we'll see, but mm. is, it going to, is it going to fulfill what you're hoping for out of the, the tight political aspect if it has to split time? Mm. So we'll have to wait and see. But, yes, in terms of the idea of following Elizabeth, they are doing that on okay. Netflix. Are they so, bringing Carrie Moss back? Surely. They should. Makes perfect sense, right? Mm. Yeah, this was interesting for me. I found that like a lot of stuff that I thought, oh yeah, there's plenty of. I was the same, plenty of answers. I thought, went and realized, oh, for me, I've actually sort of got them. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, oh, 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 how's the dragon? Oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) Um, my favorite, my favorite, uh, like some of my favorite stories already are prequels, like Red Dead Redemption Two. It's like, oh, Oh. that's a prequel. Uh, can I have a prequel to a prequel? Maybe I don't know. There's that. Um, so, and then like I think there's still an argument to be made for Harry Potter because what we got what we got wasn't really satisfactory. Like you can do something different, but um, but yes, we have we have got that. You know. So um, you see, I didn't even I didn't even think about the ones we currently have. When I was thinking Harry Potter, I thought of the Marauders. The Marauders. Yeah, like James's time at Hogwarts uh, is what I, is what I thought. Oh, okay. Because people oh, do love like those four characters mm. in fan fiction. Right. I mean, that would be a fun way to – I don't know anything about the fan fiction and I don't want to know. Um, 
<laughs> that would be a fun way to sort of to get get back into the Hogwarts side of things mm-hmm. and like be like you know do Hogwarts be at a school that's cool um channel that energy oh, the one I always have heard about that uh, that would like the idea that sticks out to me is like doing like the founders of Hogwarts you know mm. that sticks out to me but yeah I still think there's so much potential in that world which is why them potentially remaking the 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 doing the books again is like makes me want to jump on a spike or some shit because like all right anyway um i look to okay what the hell hasn't been done i look to hbo again and i look to an interesting one i really want fitzy's take on this fitzy would you watch a succession prequel oh i was like logan i was like a young up and coming cast a young logan coming up do it like it's like a period piece yeah kind of it can thing. be like you know it can be like uh Songbirds and snakes, but the Logan. Um, oh, yeah. Probably the same story. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely watch it. I don't know if it'd be good, but um, oh, if Jesse's doing it, of course it'd be good. Of course. It'd be. <laughs> um, the reason, yeah, so it's kind of an unconventional answer, but the reason I thought about it is because before, okay, finish Breaking Bad. You tell me there's a prequel with Saul. I feel like you'd think, oh, really? It's like that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Mm. I feel like there'd be I feel like there'd be natural skepticism about that, and Better Call Saul's like awesome. So I feel like Succession has the same potential to like a prequel could blow you away as well. You know. So yes, that's my answer. Also, I would love a Last of Us prequel as well. Which yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking how how interesting would a, a Joel and Tommy story be? Would love it. Really? Would love it. I don't think the dynamic like if you're thinking of games, I don't think a dual protagonist of Joel and Tommy would be anywhere near as interesting as Joel and Ellie. Oh. Yeah. No, I do. Yeah? Yeah. I just think they're too similar to really play off as the two. And I think having a story is only told through Joel's perspective of him relentlessly murdering people. <laughs> That's all it would be. <laughs> That's like what we know about Joel in that time. Yeah. I don't know, but Tommy goes to join the Fireflies and shit. Like, they're different. True. True. And, and, and a good point about the game. Yeah, I don't know if... I don't know if I'd play a game of that. It's, like, it's actually an interesting point. But, like, you're telling me you wouldn't eat up bloody uh, Pedro and, uh, and what's his name? Diego. What's his name? Luna. No. 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 That one. No. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Gabriel Luna. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gabriel Luna? Yeah. Um, you t- I wouldn't eat that up as a HBO show, you know? So, and they age them up. So, like, they, they could still do that. So, anyway. Anyway. Mm. That was another idea. Um, also, anything in the Last of Us world, like, don't even have to be related to characters we know. Do something else in the world. That'd be great, too. Uh, Fitzy. Um, okay. Um, so, I, I, I think killer, like, serial killer, um, not serial, like, Hitman would kind of, because they're, they're already, like, um, you know, established characters at the start of the film and they, they, they have an implied history. So, I think they'd make for good prequels, like, John Wick. What if, what if we watched a John Wick film where he was just, like, you know, happy and chill and stuff, and you didn't have everyone going after him. Um, or slice of life with John Wick. Yeah, yeah. Or like, um, Unforgiven when, um, you know, Clint's character was actually like really, really evil or whatever. Um, That's good. And then what else? Oh yeah, like, do they explain Jaden like why in the descent there's like those like creatures or whatever? You know, in that in that cave. Uh, I don't think they explain it. I think they're. I don't know. Because I think they're just like prehistoric 
not prehistoric, but like, you know, just like inbred. Oh, yeah. Humans from, from the start. See, what if... Oh, that's... Wait. That's a spoiler. Um, yeah, kind uh, of. Uh, what, what I was going to say... Oh, shit. How do I... Zach, take your headphones off for a second. You know that movie from last year? No, but he's going to listen to the edit. Ah, true, he's... true, true. <laughs> okay, okay, you know that movie from last year, that horror film with the red poster? The, the big one from last year? One of the big... Yeah, yeah, I think the big one. Did I see it? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you have an eight. It's, it's a red, red poster. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, another one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, what if it, yeah. the descent was like that kind of situation? You know what I mean? Like it was a previous experiment kind of thing or like a previous like like one fucked up guy doing this kind of you know thing that would be uh, no i don't know i don't think so no okay because nah. I, 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 th- I think because of the one from last year exists right yeah, that probably yeah I, I just did yeah. i yeah when you think of things on the spot sometimes like, um yeah you're right now you never really have to take them off because we spoke in code anyway yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, that was pointless, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Because Liam had the observation that you would edit it anyway, so. Oh, I, I probably wouldn't listen to that whole bit. Oh, yeah, true, true. But, uh. I don't think you can gleam okay, anything so. from it anyway, so. But, um, no, not really. I was just like. I was just like. Spitballing. Just spitballing. Yeah. Um, I like. I like an Unforgiven prequel. That's good. Mm, but it probably already exists in, like. One of the Western Clint's I haven't seen. Like, he's a high plains drifter, or like something like that, like that. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I I agree with you. What you guys are saying about it being harder to find one than than it seems, because even the ones that I looked at that were like kind of interesting, I realized they already have like flashbacks or whatever, or like you know yeah. implied knowledge of, of of the past. So it's like, yeah, you you, you think it's obvious and and. If, if you were in Hollywood, you'd come up with all these ideas, but they've already, like, factored it into a lot of these products already, I guess. Well, what's an example of an implied knowledge one? Because, like, you can still argue that for The Last of Us, but I still want to say it. Mm. Um, what's one I thought of? Let me... Well, my one uses direct knowledge from the games to make your, sequel, to make your prequel. <laughs> Wait, which one? Horizon. I mean, like, you're, you're oh, told what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we still want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are, but I, I do see that though. There are still some things where it's like, like I can't just go to every everything I really like and want a prequel for it. Like there are some things where it's just like, eh, doesn't need yeah. a prequel. Like you get it. Like The Last of Us. <laughs> right. When I, when, I, when I was doing through my thought process, I was like, oh yeah, Bioshock would be an interesting. I was like, oh wait, we have Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I ran into that problem a lot. Yes, when you realised, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same with, like, Godfather, Goodfellas, that kind of thing. Like, even in the Goodfellas, they still right. like, flashbacks, and they, they basically explain the whole past, so, yeah. Um, okay, all good. As always, we'd love you to submit your responses, thoughts, and or reviews for next week's film in the YouTube or Instagram comment section, or join the Discord server this week. The specific question we'll be asking you is, what a regular, irregular, that it, to be clear, I sort of, Made it sound like I said regular. What irregular or exotic pet would you like to have? Let us know. Um, maybe songbirds or snakes. I don't know. That mm. is it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Fitzy, what are we doing next week? And why the hell are we asking this weird-ass question? This exotic question. 
Um, we're doing an Adam Sandler, a, a recent Adam Sandler film uh, called Leo, which is on Netflix. It's about uh, a lizard uh, who's a school class pet, you know? Um, yeah. And he wants, he has, he only has one year left to live. He plan, and he plans to escape freedom. But he has to rescue his class from their horribly mean substitute teacher. Huge spoilers. That sounds very different to the Netflix synopsis I read, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we take, we take it back and we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> I think what, what I read was like, it's a coming of age story through the eyes of the class pet is what is what Netflix said. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're both consistent with each other, sort of. Yeah, just sells a different type of movie to me. I think I feel like Fitzy's also selling an Adam Sandler movie. Like to be clear, this is not a live action movie. Like Adam Sandler did not mocap this sale, is it? He didn't Andy Serkis it. Yeah, didn't Andy Serkis it exactly? Um, it's an animated film, but yes, excellent. We will be doing that next week. Head to your Netflix and uh, devour Leo for us, please. I send it with okay. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate Liam and Jane for joining me as always. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye.